This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. say amen to that. 
Amen. And you know, you just can't help but like that Tim Wilson guy, um, even if he is from Nevada. Um, Luke chapter seven. I hope that you have your Bibles here. And I'm so honored that you joined us. Uh, I love coming to the house of the Lord, worshiping with you, and and I'm so thankful that God allows me to be able to share the word with you. But Luke chapter seven will be picking up our reading with verse thirty-six. While you're finding that, just a question for you. Have you ever crashed a party? And I know Dick has. He already told me before church. Um, I haven't crashed a party. In fact, I, I've, I've always wanted to. Uh, never have <clears throat> had the courage to do so. I've always thought it would be cool at a Royals game. You know, in, <clears throat> excuse me, in certain sections of the stadium. <clears throat> Certain sections of the stadium, maybe it's, uh, you know, probably for the important people, they put out an amazing spread of, of food. You know, you've seen that. And uh, I've always wanted to go through the line, just see if this hillbilly could pass for somebody important. I think I've got some potential there, but um, my wife is such a killjoy and has never, never let me do it. Thank you. Thanks, but no thanks, Dick. Um, <laughs> Or other times I've been uh, visiting someone at the hospital in Springfield or, or, or Joplin, and, and, and they've got meeting rooms, and, and I, they've got different conferences that they have. It's probably continuing education for the doctors, but 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 a lot of times I, I will see these tables in one of the hallways with a buffet line that just leaves you drooling, and and I've been tempted to crash that party and see if I could pass as a doctor. Um, but again, you'll be relieved that your pastor has been a good boy, and, and I've never done that yet. Well, in our lesson today, we're going to talk about a party crasher. It was a woman. She had no etiquette whatsoever. She had no class. And without being invited, she waltzed into a party that consisted of the ruling elite. And she proceeded to do some things that were socially and culturally unacceptable. Well, let's read about her. Luke chapter 7 Verse 36 reads like this. <clears throat> One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to come to his home for a meal. So Jesus accepted the invitation and sat down to eat. A certain immoral woman heard he was there and brought a beautiful jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who was the host saw what was happening and who the woman was, he said to himself, this proves that Jesus is no prophet. If God had really sent him, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Then Jesus spoke up and answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. All right, teacher, Simon replied, go ahead. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one, 50 pieces to the other, but neither of them could repay him, so he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and, and said to Simon, 
Look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet. But she's washed them with her tears and kissed my feet again and again from the time I first came in. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head. But she's anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many. Catch that? They are many. Have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Let's pause a minute and just ask God to help our time in the Word. Father, would you, would you just take this account in your Word, make it alive, make it fresh to us. Lord, I believe there's something in here for every one of us. Don't let us be distracted. But I pray that the Holy Spirit would speak to every one of us today. Lord, just give us your grace today. Would you touch my voice that it would be able to hold out through our study, this service, the next service. And Father, for what you accomplished today, we will thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Between the Old and the New Testaments are what we have come to know as 400 years of silence. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean that God didn't speak to anyone during that time, but, but there's no written record of it. Well, God broke those 400 years of silence by sending Jesus to this earth as a baby. And as Jesus grew into an adult and began his ministry, he immediately began turning the religious world upside down and, and he began confounding the top rabbinical and religious minds of his day. For example, one day he saw someone with a withered hand and he said, stretch out your hand, and the man did, and he was healed. He saw someone that was deaf and, and he spoke a healing word and basically said, can you hear me now? He saw blind people and, and sometimes he would just declare them to be healed, but another on another occasion he spit in the dirt, rubbed mud in their eyes, and the result was always the same. They left there with 20-20 vision. Jesus even interrupted funerals. One day he said to a widow's dead son, get up, and, and he did. And then one day he said to Lazarus, who had been dead four days, and, and the decomposition process was well underway, but Jesus said, Lazarus, come out of your tomb, and, and he did. And I've always wondered if he smelled like death when he came walking out. So because of these miracles, the ruling religious leaders decided they needed to find out more about Jesus. And, and so one of the Pharisees named Simon planned a dinner party at his house and invited a bunch of his fellow Pharisees as well as Jesus. Now, the Bible doesn't say this, and this is just Trussell reading between the lines, but I, I wonder if this invitation wasn't a bit uncomfortable for Jesus. And the reason I say this is because Jesus didn't typically hang with the elite. Rather, Jesus spent more of his time with the rough crowd, the ones that the religious elite judged and criticized. Which uh, incidentally leads me to say this. Because of the people that Jesus hung with, the, the immoral, the demon-possessed, the cheaters, the liars, the homeless, 
I don't think Jesus would have been accepted as a spiritual leader in many of today's churches. I mean, the world today, the church world today has encouraged people to stay away from those kinds of people. I mean, we, we've even tried to create little subcultures of Christianity where, where we don't have to be with sinful people because we sure don't want their evil to rub off on us. But let me say this, and I pray that, that the Holy Spirit will drive this truth home. Just as Jesus was accused of hanging with sinners, may we as a church be accused of the same. May we be accused of, of hanging with immoral people, with meth addicts, with alcoholics, with lawbreakers, with parole violators, with felons, etc., etc., etc. Not to be influenced by them, but to influence them for Jesus Christ. In fact, if everybody in our circle is saved... I mean, the people we go out to eat with, or the people we play cards with, or, or, or the people that we hang with, if all of them are saved, then our circle is probably too small. And let me get more, more specific here. If the only people we ever hang with are saved brothers and sisters, you know, that we go to church with, or we go to Sunday school with, or, or we go to life groups with, or, or we go to the encounter with, if they're the only ones that we hang with, then our circle is too small, too exclusive, and we're not acting like Jesus. Because Jesus hung out with sinners. In fact, here's a truth that I, I, I've learned. We say that there are 66 books in the Bible, and there are. But in essence, I believe there are 67. Because the Bible in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2, calls us living letters. We are like the 67th book of the Bible. And there are many people around us that, that will never read a Bible, but they will read our lives. And the big question is this. It's a very convicting question. If, if they read that 67th book, if they read our life, which, which version of Jesus will they see in us? You know, we have different translations, different versions of the Bible. And, and so when people look at us, which version of Jesus will they see in us? Well, back to our account. Jesus was, was invited by the religious ruling class of Pharisees so they could investigate him a little bit further. And they, they knew that he lined up very well with many of the prophecies that pointed that the Messiah would come one day. I mean, Jesus was in the line of David. Jesus was born of a virgin. He was born in Bethlehem. Jesus fit all of these things describing the future Messiah. But there was one slight problem. And, and that was the one reason they wanted to find out more about Jesus. Jesus didn't act like the Messiah they were expecting. I mean, they had it in their minds that Messiah would come as a political figure that would overthrow the Roman government and, and make the Jewish nation a world power again. But Jesus disappointed them and said, my kingdom is not of this world. In other words, he was saying, my work on earth, <clears throat> this is going to disappoint some of you. My work on earth will not take place through the political process. 
let me, let's pause a moment here and make this truth intensely practical for us, especially during this election season. Revival and renewal in America will not happen through the political process. You know, sometimes we think, well, if we can just get so-and-so in office, then that's our answer, and we will see America turn around and we can have revival. But I promise you that revival, regardless of who gets elected, will not begin in the White House. And furthermore, this may shock you a bit, but revival probably won't even begin in the church house. You know where revival begins? In your house. In my house. In your heart. And in my heart. And when we get our hearts completely right with God, where we no longer have to say, well, yeah, I know I shouldn't do this, but... You know, that's what's going on in, in Christianity today. We, many of us are doing things we know we shouldn't be doing. We're disobeying God, but we justify ourselves. But when we get completely right with God, when we're able to align our lives with God, then revival will begin. And then do you know how revival spreads? When we begin to love our neighbor as ourself. We love God. And then we love each other. Now, let me say this, lest you misunderstand me. I'm a firm believer that as Christians, we must fulfill our civic duty of voting. I'm also a firm believer in standing up for values. We've been quiet too long. And if something doesn't change, our country is going to be in trouble. But take comfort in the fact that the kingdom of God is not in trouble. Jesus is still on the throne and he's not up for re-election. I don't know if you've ever heard of S.M. Lockridge. But he's a great African-American preacher. And I've quoted him at different times. But, you know, he, he, he said Jesus is a seven-way king. He's the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. And you can't vote him in and you can't vote him out. Jesus is bigger than politics. He's bigger than fractions. And he's bigger than factions. He's the unique son of God. And he should be honored with passion. Well, here are the Pharisees and Jesus at this meal. And and what's going on at this meal is that many of the guests are just pretending. In fact, most everything the Pharisees did religiously was pretend. They pretended to be holy. They pretended to be spiritual. They pretended to be generous. They pretended to care for their neighbor. And Jesus saw right through their pretending. And sparks began to fly because Jesus wasn't very good at playing the pretend game. You know, I I don't know if you've ever been in a setting where people were pretending. You know, sometimes it happens at church. Uh, You see someone that tries to act spiritual, but you know, you happen to know the way they live during the week. And you happen to know that they don't pay their bills or... You happen to know that they use some four-letter words, but they're sure acting spiritual on Sunday. Sometimes the pretending takes place at a dinner, and and there's conflict between some people, but they pretend that everything is okay, and they they will go up to shake hands and say, Oh, it's so good to see you. But you and everybody else knows that they hate each other. And as soon as they leave, they get in their cars, they're back to ripping each other apart, pretending. Well, 
at this dinner with the Pharisees and Jesus, all of a sudden, in the middle of this pretending, steps a desperate woman. And I say desperate because for her to crash this party of the religious elite shows desperation. But she waltzed right in, unannounced, uninvited, and went right up to Jesus and stood behind him. And I know this was not good etiquette. You're not supposed to crash a party, Dick. But when it comes to seeking God, I wish we had more of that type of desperation. You know what? We need people that will quit worrying about what everybody else thinks. You know, we're so bound to the approval of people. You know, what will they say about me if I go forward and pray? What, you know, I really feel it in my heart. What will people think if I, I raise my hand in worship? Or What will they think if I do this or do that? We need more people that will quit worrying about what people think and worry more about what God thinks and will let their passion for God overrule their need for approval from people. We need people that are so desperate for God they don't worry about anything else. You know, unfortunately, so many times we save our greatest level of passion for things that are not that important. When the Royals won the World Series last fall, it was amazing. I'm not a diehard Royals fan like some of you are, like Jim and, and some others, but I, I was pretty excited. And, and, and don't worry, I'm not going to use that worn-out comparison that we've heard a million times, that we ought to show as much excitement for God as we do at a, a sporting event. And that's my pet peeve when pastors use that comparison, because frankly, I don't agree with that. And I would feel uncomfortable with your doing the wave here in the church. Don't even start it. Uh, and, and I would be uncomfortable with some of the yelling that I've seen at ball games, And so don't bring that to this church, okay? And, and, and I'm, again, that's a worn-out comparison. And, but anyway, back to my story in Game 5 of the World Series. I went to bed in the ninth inning with the score tied. And, I, you know, I, I don't know. I guess just like my heart couldn't take the excitement or whatever the stress. But I, I, I happened to doze off and woke up with a start maybe 45 minutes later. And, and so uh, my phone was right by my bed. And, and I checked the, checked the score on my phone. And, 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 and the game was in the top of the 12th inning. The Royals had just gone ahead by two runs. Well, about then, my phone refreshed, and, and Lorenzo Cain hit that double that scored three more runs, and, and now it was 7-2. And I bounded out of bed, and I woke up faith, and I said, Hun, I, I, I'm sorry, but I'm going to go watch the Royals win the World Series. They went to the bottom of the 12th inning, and Wade Davis came down to that last strike, and, and as the ump signals strike three that ended the game, I was stoked. By now, it was about midnight or so. But what was funny over the next few days, I noticed that those of us that are Royals fans in our conversations, what would we say? We would say, we won. Wasn't that great? We finally got our world championship. We, you know, we don't even work for the Royals. We, I mean, the Royals don't even know our names. We, why did we say we? Well, because we feel like we're part of the team because we're connected to them through our passion. 
our support, our enthusiasm, our passion caused us to say we. And when it comes to God, that there should be desperation and passion. And, and if we're connected to God, then we can say, we, I am his and he is mine. We, he has saved us from our sins. We, part of the family of God. And there should be desperation for Jesus. He is worthy of every ounce of passion, even if it meant for that woman to crash the party just to get to see Jesus. And what I love about this story. Oh, get ready to say amen. <laughs> you know, this, this woman stepped into a religious dinner. In other words, she walked into religion, but bumped into relationship. Because within moments of walking in, she found herself kneeling in worship at the feet of Jesus. You know what I love about this church that I'm so privileged to be part of? is that the tapestry of, of fractured and messed up lives, like us, we've been made whole by the blood of Jesus and are now part of the church of Jesus Christ. And God did not give us a blanket salvation, but He gave us an individual salvation. I may have a different salvation testimony than you do, but it's brought about by the same Jesus that makes us whole. Well, what's interesting is that as this lady is worshiping at Jesus' feet, there begins to be some whispering. Learn this. Wherever there's worshiping, there's always going to be whispering. And, and this is so ironic because who was worshiping? The sinful woman. Who was whispering? The religious Pharisees and they get, began whispering and, and judging and saying oh if Jesus only knew who this was he'd never let somebody like that touch him you know the Bible calls her a sinner which is just a nice way of saying she was a prostitute that's what she was she was a street woman the whispering started which which leads me to say this religion always judges relationship extends grace religious people are always great judges of other people's sins but it's funny they become great lawyers and defenders of their own sin we're hard on others easy on ourselves and i um uh, and, and I read something that was so interesting, and you don't find this documented in the Bible, but, but a commentator suggested this. He said, what first century prostitute would have had the gall to walk into a religious leader's house without being invited unless, of course, she had been there before? Think about it. While this whole situation was developing, Simon didn't appear to say one word. And again, you don't find this in the Bible. This is just speculation. But it makes you wonder if Simon was trying to keep a low profile because otherwise this woman might have exposed the fact that she had been to his house for quote-unquote business. Well, I love how Jesus dealt with the situation. He gave a parable. We read it. Two people had a debt. Which one loved the creditor more when he forgave them? And Simon said, well, I guess the one who owed more. And, and Jesus went on to say to Simon, you see this woman... 
you gave me no kiss of greeting when I entered, but she's not, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You offered me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears. You gave me no towel, but this woman has used her hair to dry my feet. She has done what you were supposed to do. But what Jesus was saying, that as religious as you are, Simon, Mr. Pharisee, you haven't even given me the proper honor based on your own etiquette. The only one that has honored and worshipped me in this house is this broken and sinful woman that you, by the way, have judged. Those of us that are leaders of this church, pastors, board members, Sunday school teachers, life group leaders, I hope we will never, ever develop feelings of superiority because of our position of leadership. God doesn't care about our position or how important we may think we are because the, the ground at the foot of the cross is level. Whether we're in a high level of leadership or we have no leadership at all, what matters is that Jesus has taken us as good-for-nothing sinners and has saved us. And has saved us. You know, something I love about Darren as our worship leader is that we, we sing some new songs here. And just kind of as an aside, let's not ever think that old hymns are more spiritual than new songs just because they were written 200 years ago. And by the same token, let's not ever think that just because a song was written last month that is more spiritual than a hymn written a couple of centuries ago. I, I, I believe that all music that exalts God is good. But having said that, I hope that we will never ever get away from the message of that old hymn, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind. But praise God, now I see. And may we go back to the amazing grace that saved us. Because if we go back to the amazing grace that saved us, you know what that, what that will do? Is that will give us grace for other broken people. And as messed up people walk into this church, may we not be guilty of whispering. But may they receive a smile and a welcome. And maybe even have us say to them, come sit next to me. Now that doesn't mean that we will accept their sin. Not, not at all. We're not to be soft on sin. But we're to be loving towards the sinner. Well, this woman knelt and poured expensive perfume on the feet of Jesus and wiped them with her hair. And, and you know, as I was studying for this message, what, what somebody brought up, and I thought, this is so cool. You know, the Bible says that the glory of a woman is her hair. And I wonder if that's what this woman was saying. I'm going to lay down my glory at the feet of Jesus. I thought that was just kind of a cool concept that I hadn't thought of before. But while she was doing this, she was so broken that she couldn't say a word. And I don't know if you've ever been so broken that you couldn't even express what was in your heart. And I remember a few years ago, I, I was broken over some things that had taken place. And I couldn't talk to anyone. I couldn't even really talk in detail to my wife. And I remember one day I went out to my farm just there by myself. And I walked and I walked and I walked. And it was wintertime. And 
weather was freezing. I mean, it was cold and there were several inches of snow on the ground, but it didn't matter. I was too broken to care. And, and I just walked by myself and I wept and I prayed and I worshiped. And that was the day that I found comfort in the Lord. And this will probably bother some of you, but would you believe that that broken woman, without saying one word, with tears only, worshipped her way into a relationship with Christ? Did you catch that? Without saying one word, with tears only, worshipped her way into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that goes against what we sometimes teach. And, and I pray that you'll understand my heart here. I don't want to be critical, but... but you know what we say and what religion says. You know, if you want to become a Christian, follow these steps. You know, pray this prayer. Pray the sinner's prayer. Say these words and then do this and this and this. And I'm really afraid that sometimes the way we tell people to come to Christ is basically leading, basically leading people into a religion. You know, say this and do this. But Jesus didn't do any of that. He didn't ask the woman to say the sinner's prayer. He didn't ask her to confess and tell everybody what she had done. He didn't ask her to raise her hand in faith. He didn't ask her to say or do any of those things. But as he saw her weeping, he clearly saw that this woman's worship did for her what her words couldn't. She wept and she worshipped her way into salvation. Now today, some people would have probably said, well, she didn't get saved. I mean, how could she have? She didn't say anything. She didn't pray, she didn't confess her ugly past. But again, this woman's worship did what her words couldn't do. And this desperate woman humbled herself before Jesus, crashed a party as an uninvited, as an un unwelcome guest, and through her actions and her faith, she said, Jesus, you are my only hope. You are my salvation. And today I place my trust in you. Well, let's uh, head towards the wrap-up. And I want to bring up a question that until this past week, I had never thought about this question. And maybe you have, but I hadn't. Where do you think this woman had heard about Jesus? And, and I don't know. Scripture doesn't tell us. But would you let me create a possible scenario that maybe caused her to hear about Jesus? And, and again, this is speculation. You're not going to find this in the Bible. But maybe just a few days prior, she had been walking the streets and happened to see one of her fellow prostitute girls. And, and maybe this woman in our lesson said, Girl, I haven't seen you in a couple of weeks. Where have you been? And perhaps this friend of hers says, Oh, I'm so glad you asked. I've got to tell you about what happened to me. I'm so excited. My life has changed. And maybe she be began to give her testimony and and again, we're just imagining a possible scenario. But maybe she said, a couple of weeks ago, I was walking the streets trying to pick up a man for business. And I approached this man, but when I got closer, I noticed there was something different about him. And I was starting to make my moves on him. And he began speaking to me, and I noticed right away that it wasn't with lust, but it was with genuine love. And he began to tell me about my life and my past and my hurts and my struggles. And he 
told me that God had another plan for my life and, and I didn't have to do what I'd been doing for a living. And there was something that I caused me to believe Him and, and I put my trust in Him. And it was like immediately something happened inside of me and my life was totally transformed. And, and girl, I quit the business. No longer do I walk the streets trying to hook up with men. And, and you can't believe how happy I've been the last two weeks. And maybe this woman in our lesson, maybe her heart started beating fast and, and said, you've got to be kidding. What was his name? And, and her friend maybe said, his name is Jesus. And, and, and girl, I overheard that Jesus was going to be at Simon's house. And maybe she gave a little slight smile and said, you know where Simon lives, don't you? And maybe she says, yeah, unfortunately I do. But if you will just meet up with this man, I know he can do the same thing for you as he did for me. And, and this probably wasn't the way that it all came down. But, but regardless of how she heard about Jesus, that, that sinful woman found herself so desperate that she crashed that party and ended up kneeling at the feet of Jesus. And even though she didn't say one word, Jesus was so pleased with her faith. He said, woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now, religion would have kicked her out. But relationship said, come as you are. Religion would have said, you've got to do this and this and say this and act this way, but relationships said just put your complete trust in Jesus now for the record this morning I want you to know that Jesus is still healing he's still saving he's still delivering and no words needed you don't owe anybody an explanation you don't have to confess your sins to me in fact if someone tells you you need to confess your sins to them out loud Tell them in the name of Jesus to go jump in a lake. You find that in the book of St. Joseph, chapter 4, verse 3. You just come to Jesus. No words needed. Place your faith and your trust in Jesus. And you can be a new creature in Christ. So what are the takeaways from today? Well, number one, let's make sure that our circle is bigger than just brothers and sisters. Next, let's find a new level of passion and desperation for Jesus and quit worrying about what others will think of us. And then let's not be guilty of whispering and criticizing. But let's be guilty of worshiping. And let's also be guilty of extending grace to others that may not be as far along in their walk with God as we are. Not to be soft on sin, but let, let's not pretend to be the Holy Spirit. And let's make sure that this church does not become a club of the spiritually elite, but instead let's become a hospital for the broken. And this may disappoint some of you, but, but, but as your pastor, I don't come here because I have it together. Rather, I come here because I need to get it together. And that's only going to happen through Jesus Christ and my relationship with Him and my relationship with you. 
And speaking of relationship, let's make sure that we're into relationship and not religion. So this morning, as we wrap things up, if, if you've gotten tied up into religion, get out of religion. Jesus came to destroy religion. But Jesus offers a relationship. Extends grace to us. And don't you think we can do the same to each other? Would you stand, please? Maybe there's someone here this morning that you've really been into religion. You've been into pretending, doing stuff. You've been more worried about putting on a front so that people will think good of you. But you know there are some things in your heart that shouldn't be there. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Is there anybody that would say, Pastor... God has definitely dealt with me on some issues today. Would you just pray for me? Anybody lift a hand? Anybody? Quickly. God is dealing with me today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? For those of you that raised a hand, could I just say God is extending His grace to you right now. No words needed. You don't need to confess your sins to me. I'm not some priest or some pope you just go to Jesus Christ and confess to him no words needed and if anybody wants to come forward and pray I'd love to pray with you this morning we're not going to take long anyone you feel led God is leading you you're going to break away from the pretending you're going to break away and maybe even humble yourself but you know, when you do that, when you show desperation and passion for God, God will reward you. And He'll say, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Anyone? You want to come? Let's pray together. Father, I thank You for this amazing account in Your Word. Lord, I thank You for this sinner lady that that had the courage, had the desperation, the passion to crash this party. She had to see Jesus. Lord, thank you that you didn't turn her away. Thank you that you loved her and you extended your grace to her. Forgive us, Lord, for those times that we have followed the Christian religion. Lord, I pray that today we would understand what it is to be in a relationship with you. God, I pray that we would be true blue, and I pray that there would be a newfound passion. Lord, that we would be desperate for your blessing. Lord, that we would hold on to you. We would not let go of you until you gave us the blessing. And as we go from this week, I pray that there would be something different, something fresh about our walk with you give us a closeness to you that we've never had before Lord don't let us do the pretend game Lord if there's anybody here that would have to say I know I shouldn't be doing this but I, I pray that today you would cleanse that sin and that we would turn from it in repentance Lord we want to be holy people acceptable in your sight thank you for your presence we love you 
We ask these favors in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, Amen and Amen. And this week, we're going to extend grace to each other. Amen. No whispering aloud this week. Only worshiping at the feet of Jesus. You're dismissed. You've been listening to the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.